All right, a bonus Sunday golds, Ariel Masudi and Brett Nevitt and uh, Florida State Baseball Podcast. Knowles are still getting ready to play in the Auburn Regional. I believe they've gone through their, uh, their practice earlier today, and those guys will be ready to rock 11 a.m. Central, 12 noon Eastern time on ESPN2. And I've got Brett with me here. Brett, uh, this podcast uh, is going to be a pretty special bonus edition, as we like to call it. And we've got Kyle Peterson from ESPN, who is actually calling the regional on ESPN, the networks, I believe ESPN2 for the first game between the Knowles and UCLA against the Bruins. Um, But him and Tom Hart will have it, and he was kind enough to join us. And then we'll also talk a little bit about some Tommy White transfer rumors and, and Brett's been working on that really for the past couple of days and trying to figure out exactly what the truth is behind that. And um, I think we've all come to learn that Brett will give you the the most accurate information possible on something, whether good or bad. So um, Brett, before we get it to you, I want to throw it to ESPN broadcaster, Kyle Peterson. All right, now joining us, ESPN commentator, color announcer, former Stanford All-American MLB draft pick, Kyle Peterson. Uh, Kyle, first and foremost, man, thanks for joining us. You're going to be on the call this weekend from the Auburn Regional, and you've got all the games. How excited are you about having this regional, which many are saying could be the best in the NCAA tournament? Yeah, this one's really good. I mean, there's <clears throat> there's definitely plenty of brand power here. Um, you know, I, I didn't – I think Auburn's – Oh, I think the resume is enough to host. I don't think they were a slam dunk host at all. In fact, it, it surprised me a little bit, but when you dive into it, you totally understand it. UCLA has been really banged up on the mound, really banged up. Um, and they're really young, but they're really young in talent. And obviously, and we heard it honestly from every coach that we talked about today um, or that we talked to today, talked about Florida State's arms and just how good their arms are and, and, you know, we'll, we'll get a chance to see at least two of those this weekend. And, and Southeastern knows their way around a regional, too. I mean, the, it, this isn't like they're they're rolling in here for the first time. Some of these kids may be here for the first time, but from a program standpoint, they're pretty used to playing this time of year. So it should be really good. Yeah, and, and Kyle, I mean, you and uh, Tom Hart will have it all weekend. And, you know, we talk about a regional that has a, a Pac-12 power, uh, an ACC power, and an Auburn team under Butch Thompson that – seems to be trending in the right direction. Um, what stands out most to you about this regional this weekend at Plainsman Park? Um, I think it's going to be – it's interesting, right? So UCLA, um, especially tomorrow, we'll see as they go on. Like UCLA is always going to be a good pitching team, but they're down three or four arms, and so it's they're not going to be as deep as they normally would be. It's also the same team who scored 25 runs in the Pac-12 tournament. So I'm not really sure who they are because they don't have a guy that has double digit home runs. So it's now Jackie Robinson, their ballpark does not play small at all. In fact, it plays very different than this ballpark. Well, it plays very different than uh, the Florida state's ballpark. And so I think that's one thing to watch when you get into the postseason and you see some of these pack teams that don't have big power numbers during the course of the year, it all kind of tends to, to go back to the norm in the postseason to where, they're still going to hit roughly as many home runs as anybody else. A lot of it is park effect and just the fact that they play in places that they don't have a lot of home runs. Um, but I think that at least initially, the thing that I'm, I'm most excited about, there's two things. One is a pitching matchup early tomorrow. I mean, it's an 11 a.m. game, but it's it's two dudes and it's two guys that should end up pitching in the big league someday. And then just the environment. Like Auburn hasn't hosted in over a decade. 
And, you know, it's a team that's been to Omaha five times over there just a few years ago. Butch gets them there in 19. Obviously, COVID happens in 20. Last year, they're not very good. Um, but they're not very good was losing one and two run games. It wasn't like they're getting blown out, but they don't go to they don't go to the NCAA tournament. Now here you are hosting again. So uh yeah, give me the pitching matchup in the early game and the environment late. And then you talk about the pitching matchup, and then let's talk some Florida State. You know, this being a Sunday Gold's a, an FSU podcast. So Ragic Messick, uh, for those who haven't seen Ragic pitch, um, what has your research led you to see and and find out about him against Parker Messick, who is the you know, last year's ACC pitcher of the year. Yeah, no, Radjik's good, man. He's, um, he's, he's, he shouldn't be on any pitch counts tomorrow. He's, uh, and it wasn't an arm issue. It was a separate issue that this year that kept him out a little bit. It was an oblique deal. Um, but it, it would appear that he's healthy right now. It, it'll be interesting for Radjik. He's a draft eligible sophomore and, he's probably got a chance to be a late second, third round type guy that that's probably about where he sits. Um, when he's right, the control's really good. He doesn't walk too many guys. There's plenty of swing and miss. He's four pitches. You know, he's not going to show you, I mean, not that this feels like it's more normalized now, but he's not going to be a 95 to 98 guy. You're probably going to pitch 90, 93, but it's two distinct, different breaking balls that change up. He can throw what he wants to, and he really knows how to pitch. Um, and obviously with Messick, you've got as good a swing and miss guy as there is in the entire country. And I think that's an interesting matchup because honestly, you know, UCLA is not a team that's going to show up and try to hit a home run, a lot of home runs. In fact, I mean, I think they've got over 30 sack bunts as a team. I, I'd be surprised if there's anybody in the ACC that has that many. So the style is always going to be different when you play most West Coast teams, but especially UCLA. And I would suspect that we see more of that tomorrow. What are some keys for Florida State to not only get past UCLA in game one because a regional is a marathon, but for Florida State to advance? They've been inconsistent all year, but from your perspective, what are they going to have to do to be the winners of the Auburn Regional? You know, it doesn't feel to me that that Florida State wants to get – maybe tomorrow maybe they can get away with it, but not against Auburn. Um, and honestly, not against CeeLo. They're pretty offensive. But um, I don't think they want to get into a game that is decided – that's a 10-9 game. It's an 11-10 game. I think if Florida State gets out of this thing, they're going to get out of it because they outpitch everybody. I, I don't. It doesn't appear that they're going to get out of it because they just flat out hit everybody. They're, they're not necessarily built that way. I think Auburn is more built that way. Um, get when you get past, I would say UCLA's top four arms, five arms maybe, uh, and Auburn's kind of the same way. Like Auburn hasn't exactly been known for the depth and strength of their pitching staff this year. They've been good. They've been fine, but they, it had, they haven't been, it hasn't been jump off the page. Um, so everything else would tell you it has a chance to be offensive. Once you get past the first day, ballparks offensive, not incredibly deep pitching staffs other than Florida state. Uh, but I think it goes all the more too. If, if it feels like the narrative is if Florida, Florida state is going to win this regional, if they just flat out pitch everybody else. And if it turns into a, if it turns into a drag race, I don't think that benefits Florida State. Who's one guy, KP, that you think for FSU has got to have a big weekend and step up and lead his team? Um, I mean, it kind of feels like Reese Albert does. I, I, I He's been around. Um, I think that's one that you got to look to. I, I think you need some of your guys that have been there before to, to right the ship a little bit and 
And if you jump out and those guys are going early, it's amazing how much more confidence that breeds with everybody else. So that'd probably be the one. I mean, you know, there's really no magic to that answer. It's just I generally go to somebody that has has been around a little bit longer. And I don't think is I don't think you invite you know, eleven o'clock AM starts not gonna wow anybody from an environment standpoint. So that's probably good for those that haven't been in it. Because it's, you know, you're coming in with as little of, I don't know, fanfare. You know, there may be a thousand people in the stands, maybe. So it, it'll feel more like, honestly, it'll feel more like a false scrimmage than it will a typical game that Florida State's going to play in. Um, but yeah, it just feels like if they're going to go offensively, that Albert's going to be in the middle of it. This regional too, KP, you know, when you when you look at it and, and the balance, do you feel like this, that any of those first three teams can win this thing and and, and really come out of it? That's why I'm here. <laughs> I, I mean, I was fortunate. They they asked my opinion as to to which one I preferred to go to, and and this was the one. And I do think Gainesville is similar. To be honest with you, I don't know about. I mean, Liberty went down and beat Florida. It, it's a little bit tougher to make a run all the way through a regional. OU is really good, um, and I think OU can give Florida everything they want. Florida's got better as the year went on. They've really grown up, but I, I think this is one of the more complete of the regionals out there and, and our pitching matchup to start. I mean, you know, that's, that's why we're on, that's why we're on the big Mickey mouse channel tomorrow. That's why we're on ESPN two early is, is because they know about these arms and, and it's a great way to get the tournament started. Hopefully it's a great way to kickstart the entire thing to go out and see two of the premier arms in the country going head to head. Without a doubt. And then the ACC to this season, it felt like all the metrics really liked the conference. I think it was neck and neck with the SEC. If you look at the RPI and, RPI strength. So in your opinion, what did you see from the NCAA selection committee that I don't want to say disrespect, but it felt like talking to coaches around the league, obviously NC state comes to mind, Notre Dame, not getting to host Florida state being a last four team in. What do you think went wrong for the ACC this season in the selection committee's eyes? It's non-conference. That's it. I mean, and, and I think they sent the, I think, well, I know they sent the message very clearly. I mean, Grand Canyon got in because of what their non-conference schedule is. And the wins that they had in their non-conference. Uh, Dallas Baptist got in because of the wins that they had in the non-conference. Here's my issue with it. And I have, I don't, this is not arguing one team over another. It's just generalities. A Tuesday, a Tuesday win is not the same as a Friday, Saturday, Sunday win. It's just not. You're facing different arms. And honestly, it's, it's different arms that you're going to face when you get to this time of the season, unless you get to Monday and everybody has to go four deep. And we were actually talking about this today with one coach. I would like the RPI system to figure in less of an importance on midweek games because I don't think it's as true of an indicator um, of how good a team is because really the season, the postseason, the College World Series is kind of built on three-game series. You may have to go a little bit deeper than that, um, but I think that it should should reward those a little bit more. So NC State's non-conference was not good. Um, Notre Dame – I mean, Notre Dame played like 46 games that hurt them. And I know that there's some weather, there's some weather component to it. There was also some things that I think they probably had a little bit more control over. I know for a fact that was not well received by the committee. Like we give you the opportunity to play 56, you played 46. Um, That's not going to help you if it's, well, what about these guys as opposed to these guys, whoever these guys and these guys may be, if it's not Notre Dame. Um, Yeah. And the Florida state thing, I mean, some of it is, I mean, they're going to play Florida every year. The non-conference is fine. Uh, but the Gators beat them two out of three. Again, it's Tuesdays. I don't think it should should matter as much. Didn't feel like they should be last four in. Also didn't feel like NC State should be out. 
Uh, but at the end of the day, when the when the committee explained and said, this is why we did what we did, we can disagree with it. But I, Mike Buddy's a friend. So full disclosure, we played together in the minor leagues. Mike's EAD at Army is now the the, uh, the chair of the selection committee. He was way transparent. And just said, "Listen, here's this is this is what we looked at. This is what we thought mattered." Uh, and I give him a hell of a lot of credit for that because that is rare when it comes to the NCAA. Um, just to flat out say, like it or don't, this is why we made the decision. And I, I I'm glad they did it. And then two more questions for me, Kyle. Uh, one, give me some regionals that you're keeping your eye on. I know you mentioned Gainesville, but other than the Auburn regional, what are some storylines around the NCAA? Oh, all right, I got to pull the regionals. Hold on. Got it. Um, I, I Gainesville is one, and and some of it is because I think Oklahoma's dangerous. Um, that was one that jumped out to me right away when I saw it. Oh, what are some other ones? Gonzaga going to Virginia Tech is interesting to me. Um, Gonzaga can really pitch it on the weekend. I mean, I, I and I, I don't know if if they change the rotation, but I, I had an Oklahoma State coach uh, hit me after Gonzaga swept Oklahoma State said, man, they, they threw a guy on Sunday that was throwing 100. When I was game three, Gonzaga will will shock people if you haven't seen them all year from a pitching standpoint. I think it gives them the ability to go anywhere. And, and I, I think they're going to a regional um, that is probably one that people would want to go to anyway. So I think it's a pretty good matchup for Gonzaga. Uh, I'm interested to see what Arkansas does. I think Arkansas is due offensively to break out. They're better. Their players are better than their numbers are right now. And that may not normalize. It, it, it may just be the way that it is, and, and they don't end up going Omaha. But, man, we've seen this so often. Like, the year that you're supposed to be so good, you get beat. I mean, Arkansas was won the SEC regular season, won the, the tournament, number one overall seed. Bang, they get knocked out in Supers by NC State. Would kind of make sense, honestly, if they get back there the next year. But I'm interested to see Stanford. Stanford's played really well. Um, and they get a chance to host. Texas State goes out there as a two which is going to be a little bit different. Santa Barbara comes up the road um, as a three. And, and you know, I, I think Stanford has a team that can, um, that can challenge Tennessee if they get to that point. And I, I, I don't know that there's many that can. That was going to be my next question for you, Kyle, was who are, give me a list of four or five that, that have a shot at upending Tennessee, because that looks to be one of the better college baseball teams yeah. in recent history. Yeah, I agree. I, I, it is it is as good a college team as I've ever seen. Um, because I I don't know the only hole that I can find in them is the uh, the catch and throw component. And it's not the catch component; it's the throw component. Evan Russell never caught before this year. Literally, they put him behind the plate just to see if it worked because they they wanted his bat in there. And he's handled their staff well. He's just not a great thrower. He's gotten better as the years gone on. Aside from that, there is zero. There, there's no holes. There's just not. I mean, offense, power, speed, bullpen depth. They get four starters that throw 97, like just whatever. Throw a dart at it, and they're really good. I, but, okay, short sample or short series. I think Stanford can give them what they want. I think Oregon State can. Louisville intrigues me a little bit. Um, I, I, it just – they've been pretty offensive the entire year. I think that their, their regional should play fairly offensive. And if it warms up in Omaha – like that ballpark's playing way different than it was four or five years ago. It's not going to play like Tennessee's ballpark, but it's not going to play like the park that everybody saw 
at the very beginning. Um, who else? Uh, Texas, potentially. Um, but when it's all said and done, honestly, and, you know, I mean, teams from the SEC are not going to be wild by them because they've seen them. But when it uh, – they're better than everybody else. Doesn't mean they're going to win, but they are better than everyone else, and I think they've consistently showed it all year. Kyle, last one for me, uh, the, uh, you know, uh, a different age we live in now, and certainly from when you played at Stanford, but the NIL and and the way players are transferring left and right and, and – no. Uh, guys jump from conference to interconference and, and all over the place. And um, I mean, in this regional, you had Samford's uh, Sonny DeShera go into Auburn. And now, you know, they're talking about Tommy White potentially transferring out, you know, from NC State. Yeah. What's this new age of baseball looked like for you as a commentator? And how do we navigate it in college baseball? Well, it's not boring. That's for sure. Um, you know, you, you probably want to write some stuff in pencil instead of pen because it, it changes a little bit more than it did before. But I mean, from an NIL standpoint, like everybody in our country should have the opportunity to make money if somebody wants to pay you. I'm sorry. I just, I've always felt that way with athletes. I understand that, that they have scholarships, but at the same point, if somebody wants to pay you money, I, I have a hard time with someone else telling someone, no, you can't make that money. I, I just philosophically, I think that's wrong. So from an NIL standpoint, it's crazy. I mean, it's totally the Wild West. And I, I do think that it would be beneficial to everybody if if there's more um, guardrails, maybe. But I don't have the solution. And I, I'm always, I always hate people that come on and say, here's the problem, and, and then they don't have a solution, which is exactly what I'm doing right now. I, I think it's a little bit too... It's a little bit too loose right now, but at the same time, I, I would never advocate for it going away because I think these guys have have deserved it. I, I think it's it's only fair. The transfer piece, it's kind of the same thing. Like we're not a full ride full ride sport for the most part, and even if we were, I mean, I, do you really have the ability to tell a kid you can't leave? That that just doesn't feel. I know that it stinks for coaches and everything else. I get it, and I understand that it's different for fan bases because you get guys bouncing around. But I mean, hell, a coach can leave whenever he wants. Why can't a player? And from that standpoint, I I, I understand that it changes the game and it it uh, it makes it more difficult to navigate from a coach's standpoint. But I do think that those kids deserve that right. Hundred percent agree with you. And tell you what, Kyle, maybe you don't have the answers for NIL, but you do have the answers uh, on how to broadcast a game. You do it well, my friend. You and Tom have a great call this weekend, and we look forward to running into you in Auburn. All right, man. I appreciate it. Good talking to you, bud. All right. Thanks to Kyle for joining us. Yeah, really is as good as they come in broadcasting and baseball, whether that's college or major league. He's, he's really become like the Kirk Herbstreet of college baseball and always does an excellent job covering the NCAA. And he's been around the ACC block, around the SEC block. And uh, he actually had the regional Florida State one in 2019 in Athens. So him and Kyle, him and uh, Tom Hart had the broadcast. So if that's any indication, maybe a good omen for FSU this weekend in Auburn. We talked about NIL to end the interview and the conversation with, with Kyle. And I think now Brett, we'll throw it to you because Tommy White, a lot of rumors surfacing about him leaving NC state. We do now know that he is in the transfer portal and uh, there's some interest in Florida state. What's the latest? Yeah, so um, obviously there's a lot to this situation. I think um, 
you know, I think we had first heard about it about a week ago. There's some people that had heard about it by the halfway point of the season, the season, the possibility of it happening, um, of him entering the portal. I think it was about Monday after NC State didn't make the tournament that, you know, there were rumors really started to swirl more and more. Um, Tuesday, they were pretty hot again. And then, you know, uh, what is today? Thursday, Thursday morning, um, you know, it breaks that he actually has, has entered the transfer portal. And, you know, a lot of people were mentioning Tallahassee. That's mostly where the connections have been so far. Um, you know, some people saying that FSU's kind of been um, doing this in the background and um, doing some NIL things or this and that with him. But, um, you know, I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's any like, anything like that. I'm just going to try to lay out the situation the best I know it. Um, I've talked to countless peoples from all over the place, from the NC State side, FSU side, um, people around. Talk. I've, I've tried to do it, get it, just gather as much information and knowledge as possible to understand the full picture. Um, first off, I think mostly Tommy White, I don't think he entered the transfer portal for NIL purposes. Um, with Tommy... He's a kid that, you know, he went to IMG. He, uh, you know, he's going to make money in the drafts a couple of years from now. He's already got sponsorships from big companies such as Bose. Um, there's a couple others, too. I can't remember exactly which off the top of my head right now. I think you know, he has Barstool shirts and stuff like that. Um, there's Bojangles. one other big company. Oh, he's with Fortnite as well, I think. Bojangles, I think I might have saw somewhere, something like that. But um, so he's, he's got a lot of those other things that he can take anywhere with him. Um, and like I said, the, he's going to be a kid that gets some money in the draft in, in 2024 when he's eligible. Um, when it comes to FSU and NIL, um, you know, it just doesn't make much sense to me. People allocating that on FSU just because FSU doesn't have that money to spend pretty simply. Um, you know, if it becomes a money thing with Tommy, I don't like FSU's chances of getting him just because at the end of the day, FSU is not going to be able to compete with SEC money in baseball. They're just, they're just not going to, um, and they're not going to win recruitments that way in the transfer portal. I don't think, and I know that's not something that people want to hear, but that's just the hard truth of the matter right now. It's just, you're not going to see huge money commitments from FSU when it comes to transfer portal players in baseball. I don't think. And a lot of that's because, you know, you still have to pay for that recruiting class that you have coming in. You have, you have a lot of promises already made to those guys. Um, but, you know, I still think FSU is going to be in this thing. You know, another big part of it for Tommy is he wants to play third base. He wants to play the field. Um, D.H. for most season at, at NC State, played some first base, played third base for only a couple games. That was, that was where he injured his shoulder and he missed some time for them. Um, but, you know, I think the connections here have stemmed from Tommy. You know, the biggest thing as to why I think he left NC State and the thing I've heard the most is just that, you know, he wasn't having a ton of fun at NC State just because he didn't have a ton of friends there. You know, he had his baseball teammates, but he didn't have any friends from back home. Um, and there wasn't really many people that he, you know, I think that he could rely on to, to fall back on all the time. But, um, you know, the, the thing with FSU is he has a lot, a lot of friends that go here. Uh, he's from the state of Florida, Florida, from St. Pete area. Also went to IMG for his last se season in, in high school. Um, you know, a couple connections, you know, one, one connection on the baseball team played, played, um, travel ball with Connor Whitaker with Florida burn a lot of summers. Also his freshman year at Calvary Christian, he hit right behind Matt Nelson in the order. Um, so a bit of a connection there as well. Um, but you know, when it comes 
to where his priorities lie right now. I think Florida State is the school that has his eye the most. Um, but, you know, so far he's only had talks with players from what I've heard and, and, and other students at Florida State that he's friends with about the idea of, of doing it because, you know, I think he knew he wanted to leave NC State um, and he wanted to go back and be with friends and potentially play the field somewhere. And FSU, like any other team, is going to be interested when, when a bat like that comes available. And, you know, I mean, FSU hasn't fielded well in a long time, but if you, you can, I think you take that power bat and sacrifice defense if you have to and just hope that he develops there. But, um, you know, I just think now it's time for the coaches to make that connection too and, and make it a real possibility. But from what I know, it, it's not going to be a, a rush into that right now. This team is team and coaching staff are focused on the regional. I mean, they play in what, 14 hours at this point. Um, against a really good competition. So um, that's what they're focused on right now. I do think they will get involved in this recruitment. I do like where they, where they stand at the starting line, um, but there's a ways to go here. It's not a done deal or anything like that. Obviously, you know, Tommy Tanks, one of the best hitters in the country this season and uh, All-American first team at NC State. What kind of impact would he make? I mean, that, that might be kind of a silly question, but – uh, how, how would he fit Florida State next season and what Mike Martin Jr. has coming in and and uh, what's supposed to leave FSU as well? Well, yeah, I mean, right now, Logan Lacey and Alex Terrell are two corner infielders, and both of those guys are going to be on eligibility, I'm pretty sure. Um, and, you know, those guys are going to be gone. You're going to have to replace some people at, at both corners. Um, you know, there's FSU has some guys coming in that could start at those corners, um, but none of them are Tommy White right now. And, um, you know, if you can go and get that, it, it would be a monumental boost, boost to next season's lineup. And it would bring back some of the power that you were missing this year. And, you know, I think Dick Hauser would fit, fit him really well. A lot of his home runs go to the opposite field. He's done a really good job of, with his approach of attacking the whole field. I mean, the three home run game we saw from him in Charlotte, all three of his home runs went to the opposite field. So, um, you know, I think the stadium would fit him well. Um, and hopefully the atmosphere would fit him well. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's, I don't think there would be many bigger ads in the country if you were able to get that done. But like I said, don't want to get ahead of ourselves too quick on, on, on the situation. Without a doubt. So that story will develop uh, as we go on into the postseason, especially as Brett said. Right now, Florida State's worried about UCLA. And they'll play Friday morning, lunchtime, noon in Tallahassee and 11 a.m., a morning start in Auburn locally. I believe it's a 9 a.m. start for those watching for UCLA fans out in L.A. on the West Coast. Brett and I will have coverage all weekend long. Brett will be there for Knowles 24-7. I'll be there for the Osceola with Bob Ferranti. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll plan to do some instant reacts at some point over the weekend. And hopefully Florida State's playing uh, deep into the Auburn Regional. Knowles and Bruins tomorrow. Until then, for Brett Nevitt, Amari Masuti, and you're listening to Sunday Golds.